Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on the leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. Keith, extremely sick Krepko. Yep. Uh, and but you can't tell. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. Yeah. It sounds sound perfectly normal. Exactly. Just, just believe it when you hear my voice. <laughs> I am actually sick, even though I sound We're going to perfect. talk about the... We are going to talk about season two's. I was trying to think about how to say this on the way over here. We're going to talk about the second episode of season two of The Leftovers. That feels like too much. Too many ofs. Right. So I had thought of a way to say it on the way over, and then I forgot. We're going to talk about the. We're going to talk about. We're going to talk about season two's second episode. Okay. A matter of geography. Oh, there you go. Um. So we were just talking about, we'll just continue the conversation we're having about uh, Kevin's motivation to go dig up Patty's body and to turn himself in, basically. And I was saying, to me, it read as he is obviously having all of these visions and voices of Patty. And he's trying to uh, his I'm assuming his mindset is if I confess to this, if I give this body to somebody else, I am getting rid of the burden and she will stop visiting me, haunting me. That's how I took it. At first, I took it as he's digging up to make sure the body's still there. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's initially what, what, what I thought, right. because he's he's so far gone, that he's just wondering. Well, because she... he's having visions of her, right? Exactly. So he's going to go exactly. make sure the body's still there. But then he is driving around with the body, he cuts off a police officer, and then he basically just confesses right there. And it actually wasn't a police officer, it was a A-F-T-E-C, right? Yeah. Officer. Right. And so, um, I, what, what confused me was the timing of that scene where in the previous scene, he's talking with Nora and his daughter and they, they have a confession scene where he confesses to everything he does. She confesses to things that she does. what do you think of that scene? Um, all right. Yeah. So if we, if we go back. This this whole episode is a flashback. Right. So this episode is sort of playing in tandem with the first episode, more or less. Right, right. You, filling in right. those you, Yeah, you're filling in the time between when season the one end ended season one. and when season the first episode of season two ends, basically, and the garbage right. show up. Right. And you're and you're pushing the timeline a little forward, but but not right. much. And part of that is Nora moves in pretty much as soon as the baby is discovered. And Kevin says something like, you don't know things about me. Yeah. He's, he's like, we hardly know each other or something. Right. And she's like, well, then what do I need to know? Right. And, and so then he's like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. He, I sleepwalk. Right. I don't take my medication. I'm a kidnapper. <laughs> and I, Buried a body with your brother. <laughs> I kidnapped a woman who then killed herself 
So I called your brother and we buried the body in the woods. <laughs> right. And she admits to having prostitutes shoot her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's that was my first thought. I was like, okay, so Kevin just admitted to a felony that would probably get him put in jail for decades. Right. And Nora admitted to like a weird fetish. Right. And can we can we then talk about why Kevin feels reluctant to tell her that he's having visions? Like, I feel like on the scale of bad things, isn't right. burying a body with your brother, doesn't that outrank, oh, by the way, I'm having visions of the lady That's who killed exactly herself? exactly what Julia and I said to each other towards the end of that episode. Almost at the same time, we were both just like, why doesn't he just tell Nora what's going on? Right. You know what I mean? Like, especially considering... At the beginning of the episode, he admitted to kidnapping a woman in his sleep. But at the end of the episode, he can't tell that same woman that, like, he's hearing voices. Exactly. It's it's a storytelling trope that I'm tired of. Yeah. Which is withholding information for a reason that doesn't make sense to the character right. that's withholding it. It's like that, that does not outrank what you've confessed to up front. The fact that Nora has shown herself to be committed to you and his family, it doesn't seem like saying, oh, I'm seeing visions of this lady. It's going to be enough to send her packing. Right. But having said that, I understand the counterpoint of saying, oh, but, you know, his family deals with mental illness. He doesn't want to own up to it and admit that he, too, yeah. is turning into his father. Right. But that, to me, still feels like bullcrap in the sense of, I can't tell anybody, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 I just don't buy it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, you, you have, you have that scene, which basically to me was a well acted scene. You know, it didn't have the forced melodrama that you might have in other shows. It, yeah, it felt, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to explain, but it had that, it just it was just a little too much just slightly kind of on the nose okay it felt a little like too knowing right like it's kind of the feeling i get whenever i watch something by joss whedon uh damon lindelof i get the same feeling a lot of times where it just it just feels like they know that they're this is such a weird Right dialogue to be having. Right. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to explain. But yeah, they, they, they kind of draw attention to right. it. Right. It hinted. It, it, I got hints of it in that scene, and it bothered me a little bit, but not enough to. Yeah. Matter. Yeah, and and I I found it pretty easy to move on to, on from. Yeah, I'll tell you what scene I did like early on was the adoption scene. Uh huh. Something about that character actor who's playing this kind of you know disassociated. Mm -hmm. social worker and the reveal at the end where he wants them to adopt another child right. and lays out that, that picture. That's the kind of moment of shocking humor that I want more of yeah. where you're not expecting it. It's so dark and such a funny, weird position to be in mm -hmm. where Somebody just that you're you're trying to impress that you're scared is going to knock you, 
is actually really, really loving you and wanting you to take more responsibility. Well, okay, so did you think that the his offer was because he thought they were such a good couple, or do you think it was this is the world we live in? Lo- okay, okay, yes. I as soon as I said loving, <laughs> I immediately want to take it back. I do not mean loving, uh-huh. but I mean they are trying to impress. Right, him. they're very nervous. Right, and he obviously, I-, I would say, at worst, just doesn't care. He doesn't care, and at best is. Not loving, but is like, okay, these are very competent people. Yes, yeah, yeah, that they've passed his test. The fact that they've passed his test to the point where he, and he is saying, this is the world we live in. Right. Right? Um, And and I loved, uh, that's that's why why I loved it. It was a full acknowledgement of the world they live in, uh, of just the, the comedy of errors, of, oh my goodness, we need to impress him. Meanwhile, he's just, doing his job just like here take another right. kid because we got a bunch of them right you know? this is this is case number 500 for him exactly where this is the first time they're going through. right 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 case number 500 of like it's 11 a.m right you know <laughs> so yeah yeah absolutely i i really really liked that scene um and, and thought that that struck the 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 chord that i wish this whole show played with Mm-hmm. Um, of just mining a situation like this for moments that you wouldn't get in any other setting, or that it's a true subversion of what you would, you'd expect, mm-hmm. and really does reveal more about the world. So, I, I really like that the family scene. Yeah, I mean, not not too much. I I understand what they're setting up with. By the end of the show, you have you have both Nora and Kevin questioning if this is a good idea right that from the outset it all seems like a good idea it's like romeo and juliet it's like of course they're in love it's a beautiful love story mm-hmm. we've started thinking about it, you're like uh they're young kids and they they're the first that they've ever met you mm-hmm. know in a romantic setting and they don't know they're they're rebelling more than anything it becomes more complicated yeah and i feel like that's what this episode is doing it's complicating that initial story that they're telling themselves mm-hmm. of this great parental unit who's united who when the social worker is like who will take custody of the child and they even refuse to answer it you think oh that's really good that's a really great approach but then by the end of the episode you're like are they gonna make it mm-hmm. they might not make it this might not be a, a really good thing mm-hmm. so i liked how they were setting up setting that up but in order to set that up, they do have to move quick. And I felt the episode did move quick through their commitment to each other, their move. It was all happening really fast yeah. in a way that I was resistant to at first, but I understand why they did it. Mm-hmm. What was your feeling about like the flow and the pace of this? I was fine. I was fine with the, I was fine with the quickness, period, because this episode for me, although I liked it, it it just felt like it was still just treading water because it's like nothing new is introduced. It's the second episode. I, w- I want to know more. Right. And it's yeah. again, it just, it just feels like, uh, I mean, you're, you're, uh, you're obviously, you're literally not moving the story story forward because you're re you're just covering the same ground as the first episode or you're covering different ground during the same time. 
of as the first episode, right? So you're not learning anything new. Uh, you're just playing catch up. Right. So in that sense, I feel like maybe I would have liked this better as the first episode. Um, but I, I think it's weird yeah. either way because you're either looking at the first episode as a completely new family. The entire episode is a completely new family characters you've never met. Or the second episode is completely new characters. You know what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of like a catch 22. But it, so in that sense, uh, I liked the quickness. I also like the quickness because I think by the end of the first season, you've already accepted that these two people are a couple that are going to stay together. So I don't then in the second season need, need to, to watch them go through those growing pains or whatever. Yeah. 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 That, that That's probably a good point. Um, what do you think of Tommy's reappearance? Uh, I just, I can't, I can't get on board with, Chris Zilka, right? I, I I don't know if his acting will be any better this season, and I will never be able to look at it objectively because I thought his acting was so bad in the first season. I will never not be able to see him perform in anything ever for the rest of my life and not see his just way overacting of the first season. Here's here's a pet peeve of mine that people tune in this show for, which are the minor details that uh-huh. stand out to us that really don't mean anything and are not important. <clears throat> it annoys me when a character goes to like a, like a restaurant mm-hmm. and somebody's like, I ordered you a burger. What happened here? They get through the whole scene and they never eat the burger. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that annoys me. Yeah, and he gets up and leaves and they're just a burger sitting on the yeah. side of the table. Just grab the burger when you go. <laughs> just say, hey, uh-huh. sis, thanks. Uh-huh. If I was the director of the scene, I'd say, look, can you grab the burger on your way out, please? Just <laughs> just take it with you. Just shove it in your pocket or something. Just something. Don't just leave. Who would leave just a perfectly good <laughs> burger? Uneaten. Uh-huh. And the guy looks a little hungry. You know, This is what drove me crazy about that scene. And Chris and just the his the the way I, the reason I will never be able to watch his appearance in any scene is going to immediately break the mood for me because during that scene he's um uh is her name Jill yeah the daughter starts crying and he keeps reaching across the table and wiping her tears away uh-huh. and I can't help and I'm just the entire time I'm thinking like. Is this him like like thinking this is like an acting moment? You know what I mean? Like, ah, uh, like I'm improving right now, or is right. this like direction? Is this right. like someone is telling him to do this? Because he does it two or three times and I just want him to stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he was feeling something really deep about his character <laughs> in that moment. Um <clears throat> The the other thing that bothered me about about that scene is it gives no motivation for why he would choose the mother over the father. Other than I guess that the mother has accepted the darkness oh, of the right. reality. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I just felt like 
I would have liked to see the decision tree in his mind that made him default to her over his father, who's always seemed supportive, mm-hmm. who seems to care even now. Right. Well, and his M.O., and he says as much in the scene, is just that nobody is, everybody's still broken. Right, right. And so that's, I'm assuming that's why he went with the mother. Yeah, I, I just, and I guess I could see how, you know, when Jill's like, we're okay. Right. I, I do fundamentally think that's okay. I, or I do believe her. I know that they're not okay in the mm-hmm. long run. But to think that you, your family, which no one departed from, mm-hmm. is so impacted and broken by what happened to other people uh-huh. that you just can't ever get back your dynamic when everyone potentially loves each other, to me, rings. It's still kind of, I think we brought this up, the hollowness of the Garvey's, you know, kind of, depression mm-hmm. where I don't anticipate that I would be okay, but to sit there and kind of fall apart in the way that they have mm-hmm. when people like Nora lost everyone in their family right? to me feels a little cheap. And I just feel like, you know, Tommy, what do you have to be tortured about, buddy? Right. Yeah. Both of your parents are here. Everyone loves you. So what, you're, I don't really get <laughs> yeah. just the depth of your emo right. emotion. Right. Uh, which is why that aspect of the show and the story has never been uh, interesting to me. Yeah. But what is interesting to me, and I hope they ex- really explore it, not just hint at it like they did all throughout season one, is Kevin legitimately like going crazy and yeah. losing his mind? I want to see that fully explored. Oh, I think you're going to see that. I liked the sequence of him trying to fix the washing machine or whatever it was. And I just like the idea of someone who is mentally struggling to keep it together. Yeah. Um, so I would like to see that explored, which it seems like they're going to be. Yeah. Uh, but it also seemed like they're going to do it in the first season and they really didn't. It just was kind of, here's a national geographic that may mean something and may not. And here's, uh, you know, something I totally else forgot about the national geographic. Yeah. Um, and here's a guy that like hunts dogs who may or may not be real. Right. Um, so, what else happened in this episode? Well, there, there's the scene where he gets physically attacked in the kitchen. Right. Or, well, he doesn't get physically attacked, right? He throws, he has, I guess in some sense, he has to throw himself against the stove. So, so I guess that's kind of one of my questions. You believe that he's just seeing visions. They're, right. They're, they're, so she's not like a ghost who can no. impact him physically. Okay, I agree with you. I thought it was interesting that they took it to the physical yeah. uh, attack level. And I'm interested in t- to see how that plays out. Like, how hounded is he going to be by these visions? Are they going to start 
physically attacking him or is this just to get his attention? You know, yeah. or or will he soon just be like Mickey Rourke in Sin City, where mm-hmm. he's just unrecognizable and bandages all over his face? <laughs> you know, um, what what did you think of the very end? I guess. So yeah, so let's talk about that. So I got an email from a listener named John. He, he's emailed us a lot throughout the course of the show during the first season as well. And he had some really interesting thoughts, I thought, on this, on the ending of this episode, on the ending of last episode, and what it could all, what sort of is tying it all together. And his thought or his thinking um, when trying to sort of reconcile oh, shoot, what is his neighbor's name? Uh, the the neighbor's motives, uh, yeah. John, right? Yeah, he's tr- when trying to reconcile John's motives and how the episode ends. So, so his thinking is so John, the listener, his thinking is that John, the neighbor, is um obviously he's he's trying to keep status quo. And yeah. So his thinking is that you know, they're making such a big deal of the um, population of the town. Yeah. So his thinking is that the Garveys move in. So, so John is thinking that, you know, when people, there's only room for a certain amount of people in the town. So the Garveys moving in is a threat to, to mess with that number and mess with that sort of status quo. And that is alluded to or could be alluded to by the end of the first episode where the four Garveys have moved in, right? Because of the baby. Yeah. And the three teenagers disappear, including Evie, John's daughter. So potentially one other person has disappeared. So that is his thinking in terms of John's, why John is so... Uh, antsy about somebody moving in. That's interesting. Um, but then, and this is this is, and so we'll talk about the ending of so that this week's episode ended with you're back at the lake or the body of water or whatever that has now been drained and a giant crack has opened up, and you see Kevin Garvey is there, and he has a cinder block tied around his weight uh, around his ankle. And he's like pulling himself out of the water, I guess. So I, I mean, I took that as, I guess I took that as a, I guess suicide is not the exact right word. Because he seems to be doing things in his sleep outside of his control, right? Yeah. Uh, as evidenced by kidnapping Patty. Um, but more or less a suicide attempt. I've, I think that Kevin Garvey tied a cinder block around his foot and threw himself in that water. John, the listener's semi-theory is that Kevin has to be kept alive. And so in order for him to be kept alive, the water was drained and the earth opened up. 
maybe I don't I don't think he believes in that wholeheartedly, but it's sort of an interesting avenue to look at. Yeah. How did you read the ending? Um, so the ending that that that's interesting. Now you have me kind of rethinking what what I was initially thinking. So what was your initial thought on the ending? Um my okay, I'm gonna go way, way out. Okay. On a limb here. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say the girls are being influenced by something. Like, I don't buy that them running naked through the woods is just okay. a... It's just how girls have fun, yeah. you know? Did you read that? That's what he said, right? Yeah, yeah that's what you told me. Yeah. But. Okay, and, and just a quick sidebar. Do you believe that when Evie has her seizure and drops the cake, that that is a narcoleptic seizure? No. Yeah, I don't, I didn't either. No. Okay. I, I watched, we, I think you were there. Were you there when we were bowling and somebody had a epileptic Mm-mm. seizure? And it does not just work like a tremor <laughs> of the finger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You don't just space out right. and drop whatever you're holding. <laughs> And be like, oh my goodness, I, I went away. Yeah. So I I obviously think that there's something there. I feel like the girls threw him in. You think the neighbor girls threw Kevin Garvey into the water? There's did they tie the cinder block around his ankle? Yes. Why? With help. I with help from who? Exactly. From who? I don't think that they're in the crack. I don't think they've been swallowed up. I think that's misdirection. Okay. So whether they are now running naked through the forest at night or whatever, uh-huh. I think they're gone. And I think they're gone under their own volition. Under their own volition. Uh-huh. Or underneath the psychic control of the same thing that's making Kevin do what he's doing. Right. Right? So I feel like whether they were fully aware or not, that in service of some greater purpose, they were willing to sacrifice Kevin in that moment. Mm-hmm. And Kevin was, you know, obviously oblivious. Um, that's my, I know that that's off the wall. And I don't have much. Well, there's just so many logistical, like how did they get Kevin? Did they just find him when he was sleepwalking? Or did yeah. they break into the house? Yeah. yeah I, I, because the last thing we see before we see him at the water is he falls asleep with Nora. Right. Or he closes his eyes. Right. So again, what is powering his sleepwalking? Right. I think there's something doing that because he's, he's engaging in activity. He's not just walking. He's kidnapping people. You know? <laughs> so... He is able, number one, to tie a cinder block on his own foot. That's that's probably the most likely. But I think also he's able to engage in whatever those girls are engaging and be out of it. But I think that they're somehow involved, either in helping him tie that cinder block around him or they're under the same influence that caused Kevin to do that to himself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, maybe. 
I I mean I don't agree with it, but I I I, I follow I, what you're thinking. Yeah, is. I just keep going back to why are they running naked through the forest? No one does that for fun. Yeah, no, I agree. They're, they're in service of something else. Whether it's a it's a ritual, like I think of Wicker Man, the original Wicker Man, right? Where they're all pagans and the in their pagan rituals, it's like nudity and out in the woods and all that stuff. And I just feel like they're engaging in some pagan ritual that Kevin was a part of or that they are, they're, they're knowingly serving something, something else. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. Okay. That's the best I got. Yeah. And I'm also on NyQuil. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, and there's a lot of other things in this episode that I think at this point will still chalk up to Lindelof, Lindelofalisms, Lindelofian, Lindelofian concepts. You know, this f- there's some weird loose connection between like Australia and Kevin's father and the crazy guy in the tower and Miracle. And uh, there's something else that I can't remember now. Oh, the the old black man that John's son prays with, who then approaches Kevin at the welcome center or somewhere, and is like, "I can help you with your problem." Right? There's all. There's still all of these weird. What does that mean? Moments. Yeah. That I would say for now, I'm ignoring and i'm doing my doggone best not to get frustrated by them yeah yeah i i felt like inherently i'm annoyed by episodes that go back over especially the previous episode and just get you caught up on the Mm -hmm. timeline where you're like well why didn't why'd you have to tell it out of order yeah. Like what like I I watched a little bit of a show called The Affair, which is all about two characters who have differing stories and the episodes make sense on that because they mm-hmm. cover the same stuff but from diff- different perspectives. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. But when you have characters withholding information that they don't need to be withholding and you're telling a story out of sequence, I don't really understand why it's being told out of sequence. Those become minor annoyances. I ultimately, though, am intrigued by this. I feel like, would you say this? Would you say that the mysteries so far of season two feel more substantial than the mysteries of season one? Like that there's more behind them. Yeah. There's more intention. Yeah. There's more thought. That's why I feel. So that's why I'm still intrigued by this season. Yeah, I agree with that. And I would say on top of that, it feels like they've gotten the the tone a lot more figured out. It's not as dour and it's not as it feels less like you're trudging through mud with these characters and more like you're actually watching real people, right? Um, now the first two episodes are directed by Mimi Leader, Letter, 
who directed a couple of last season's best episodes. Is she, do you know if she's directing all of them or is it like the new thing to have the first two episodes of your season directed by the same person? Because True Detective did the same thing. Yeah. And the first season did the same thing with Peter Berg. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if now seasons shoot the first two episodes to be coherent mm. in a way that lends itself to one director. But I don't know if she's directing um, the whole season. But yeah, I thought that she did a great job. There were there were there was that scene of, of flashbacks, the cut scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super effective. Yeah, I, I did too. That was great. And so this season so far has had more moments that have gotten me excited than I think the first two of season one. So what do you think Patty is? I think she is basically Kevin Jr.'s version of Kevin Sr. seeing things and hearing voices. That's what Patty is. Yeah. But then the the whole question has always been, is there something to the visions that that are being seen in this show, or are these or is visions he just a crazy person? Exactly, exactly. If there's something to the to the visions, that could mean that there's something more material to what they're seeing. That they're not just all figments of imagination. They are some sort of spirit. Which would you prefer? If all those in his were head. The two options. You, all you just in his want head. him to be a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would prefer that too. And and even if he's getting some answers, they're just coming from his head. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got for the second. Yeah, episode. I think it's all my voice has. Yeah. <laughs> so uh if you want uh to find more information about us or the show, you can go to eipodcast.com. That is uh, our website where all of our podcasts can be found. Uh, if you would like to contact us, my email will be in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at blizzard with nine Z's. I'm at things come right. And we, uh, we recorded this episode a couple days late just because of some scheduling things, but we will be back next week. We'll record on uh if all goes as planned we'll record monday night show will be out next tuesday and we will see you then 